G'day everyone and welcome and it is On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Episode 2, thanks for joining us. We had a big weekend down at Phillip Island so we'll bring you all the action today of what happened there. Richard Crowell helped me cover that off. We'll also speak to Scott McLaughlin, Steve Grove and Dale Wood on their performances around the track. We'll have a chat to Braxy about the world of motorbikes. We're going to have a chat to a young gun in just a sec, Brock Feeney, who's been racing around in the Toyota 86s this weekend for the first time and plenty more as well, including we'll have a quick chat about the return of the Mustang. But let's kick it off. Toyota 86s had their first round for 2000. And 19, or 2018, I should say, I'm a year ahead of myself there. And uh, one of the young guns, 15-year-old Brock Feeney, joined me for a chat about joining the category for the very first time. G'day, Brock. How you going? Excellent, mate. How are you, 15-year-olds, running against the, the bigger boys? Does it get a little bit intimidating? No, I'm finding it fine. I've raced against people older than me for a lot of my career in karting, and especially since I've moved up to seniors this year. So, actually, I'm really looking forward to the um, race that we're going to have this weekend. Can I ask you, you're still in high school. What's the, uh, the comments like from the kids at school about being a motor racing driver? Well, most kids are playing footy, rugby league, whatever they are. You're up in the Gold Coast, I suppose rugby league is the big thing, but wouldn't be too many motor racing drivers I would have thought at school. No, not too many. One of my best mates actually rides motorbikes as well at school, so... Whenever any kids ask us, it's kind of a bit odd when you say, oh, I drive race cars at 15. So, especially when the teachers ask, they don't really believe you since you can't drive on the road yet. It's funny you mentioned motorbikes. Of course, your dad, Paul, uh, renowned for motorbikes back through the 80s and the like. Uh, for you, the, the move into four wheels instead of two, was that something that you always thought was going to happen or was there a, a time where you were probably going to go motorbikes? Um, I actually raced motorbikes from the age of four till nine, I believe. And um, at that time, my whole focus was on uh, motorbikes. I never really thought of racing cars at all. And um, we went to a holiday over in Thailand, Phuket, and um, went on the high card zone and absolutely loved it. And what does Dad think about it? Is he, I mean, obviously, he's supporting you in your, uh, in your car career, but would he have liked to have seen you probably go further in bikes? To be honest, Dad's happy where I am right. at the moment. Um, he's very supportive of me. But, um, yeah, he's... He's stoked with how I'm going at the moment, so I'm real happy to have the support from my family. Well, mate, it looks like you've pulled the right rein, current Australia Junior Karting Champ, and she was 2017. What an amazing year it was for you, uh, heading over to Italy for the uh, the OK International. You finished fifth there, the highest-placed Aussie in that. Uh, the Rotex World Finals in Portugal. Uh, the Supernats at Vegas, you finished second there as well. Just got pipped by four hundredths of a second from, from winning that. An amazingly big year, 2017, for you. Yeah, it was a great year for us in 2017. It was my best year yet, so um, it was an absolute honour to represent Australia overseas and to get the results we all, we dreamed of going over there. We were hoping we were going to be able to run up the front and to podium in two out of the three events was absolutely awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about the Supernats in Vegas. As I said, four hundredths of a second you missed out on. I mean, gee whiz, to have won that would have been a, a massive fillip for you. Yeah, it was it was great once I finished, but also a bit heartbreaking, you know. I've been there many years and had a lot of bad luck and to finally get a good run through and then lead for 90% of the race and just get pipped at the end. It was hard to take, but at the end I was pretty stoked with second. And then you got the opportunity to race the uh, Toyota 86s over in New Zealand. Final round there, I think you were in the top 10 and then got punted. Yeah, we Is that had, fair to say? Yeah, in the way I went for a pass and it didn't end up, okay. but... We were actually going for the top five at the time in the last race there, so we had a great experience over there, learnt so much coming in, so 
we're hoping we can start off with a good run here in Phillip Island for the Australian Series. Talk to us about the Toyota 86 Series for a young kid coming through as a, as a learning category. Uh, it's absolutely great. I found it so good so far. We got so many people above us that have so much experience, like Bargwan as the Jason Bargwan as the driving coach and mentor for all of us this year. So it's been absolutely great for me and a couple of the other young guns that get the opportunity to race at supercars and meet all these people and just have a run around. You know, it's cost effective and it's just really good for motorsport. I suppose you've set your sights higher for the next few years. You're only 15 now, but I'm sure in the next three or four years we're going to see you move into bigger and better things. What do you foresee at this point in time, your natural progression? I'm hoping as I go further in my career, I'd like to end up in supercars. So to be honest, we've got to get this year through and done. And depending how we end up, you know, we just got to see how we go and make some steps from there and hopefully end up in supercars or Super 2 moving our way up to supercars in a couple of years. First round of the 86s here at Phillip Island. A fantastic track to race on, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely unbelievable for my first race here in Australia to to race at Phillip Island is absolutely great. You know, Dad raced here back in the day, and it's really good to come back here. You know, I've been here before for motorbikes watching, but to race here, it's insane. We all set ourselves goals for the year. Uh, yours for this season? Uh, I'm sure winning the championship probably isn't one at, at such a young age, but what are we talking about? Top 10? Would that be? Would that suit? Um, well, we've had a pretty good start to the season here at the moment, so I'm hoping by the end of the year we'll be hopefully get some podiums and maybe even a win at the end of the year. So we'll just keep progressing, um, see how we go. There's a lot of tracks that every track I go to, I'm learning a new one. So I'm just really looking forward to the year ahead. I'm sure there's a lot of sponsors you'd like to thank too, and I'll give you the opportunity to do that right now because without the sponsors, you guys don't get out on the track. So who are they for you? Um, Firestar Developments. we got some people supporting us there. Um, Labrys. They're helping me as well. Everyone's been really good. Marriott, um, Vacation Club, they're supporting me also this year. And obviously Dad's company, Paul Feeney Group, you know, getting me to the track, doing everything my whole family can to support me. So I just really want to thank them all for getting me here and keep on supporting me through the year. So I'd just like to take the time to thank them. And I'm really hoping that I can get the results for them this year. Good on you, Brock. Congratulations. Enjoy the remainder of the year. Hopefully it's a big one for you, mate. And hopefully we get the chance to have a chat to you in a few years' time as a supercar driver. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for the opportunity. Brock Feeney joining us there at Phillip Island. Uh, he didn't have a bad weekend. I think he was around about the top 10 in his first Toyota 86 racing here in Australia. All right, one guy that did have a spectacular weekend, though, was Scott McLaughlin. We caught up with him after his race two victory and round victory at Phillip Island. Winner of both races here at Phillip Island, Scotty McLaughlin. Congratulations, mate. Yeah, thank you, Tony. It was um, obviously an awesome weekend for us. Capitalised on our car speed and, and got the points, so that's exactly what we wanted to do. You came here with high hopes, or did you come here with a bit of trepidation after the, the last couple of races? Uh, look, I came here with high hopes. I always loved this track. Um, no, we were fast here last year, um, but I knew, you know, pace-wise this year we haven't probably been at our strongest uh, compared to others, so... I think we've sort of got some pace back and uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, sort of run to the end of the year. Ties with the issues last year, you didn't have that this year, obviously we went back to, uh, to the 2016 tyre, a smart move in the end. Yeah, I, I, it's debatable, I think, you know, I felt we, we were strong on that tyre, but I think, you know, we, we probably jumped the gun in some ways, you know, I think everyone would have come back here to this track and learnt the tyre and maybe would have made a difference, you know, there was 15 cars or whatever on the Saturday here last year that blew a tyre. The next day it was like two or three. Yeah. So I think 
you know, everyone goes into pandemonium and whatever. And it was actually a better tyre for a track like this. Uh, felt actually more safe, but not on the ragged edge as much as well. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a product of the teams trying pushing too hard and then they complain when, they, when the tyre doesn't go when they push it too hard. Having said that, though, were you allowed to go a bit more aggressive in your setup with that 2016 tyre this weekend? Yeah, in some ways. We did blow a tyre on Friday, but yeah. we're just finding the limits with the race run. Uh, we found that, but it, it definitely does heat up the sidewall a lot harder because it's softer compared to the last one. But, um, yeah, look, it's 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 all a learning curve, and luckily we learned it pretty well and got a good, good run. How much do you learn out of what happened towards the end of last year and bring that into this year in regards to moving forward on each round? Yeah, massive. You know, I, last year, you know, I wanted to win every race and I would bomb people and make mistakes and go off the track and stuff when I had a car that could win the race or finish second, so... This year, I know my battles have hit my battles better, I think. Uh, you know, touch wood, that continues. But I think um, we're, you know, I definitely feel more mature about everything and, and, like I said, pick my battles when I need to. And if I'm second, if I've got a second place car, I'll take the second place car like last week at Tassie. But today, you know, I felt like I had the car to win, so I'll pass when I need it. But if I can't get past clean, uh, I'll probably just settle for where I was. I made a final one. The Mustang, of course, the, the big word this week in regards yep. to its release. Yeah. Excite you in regards to the future of this sport? Yeah, fantastic. I think it's great for the sport, you know, to, uh, to see, see a big name like Ford come back in and obviously go in a bigger capacity. And then you've got you know, the whole Ford rivalry that we can all be excited for the next few years at, at least, but it's going to continue for a long, long time. So it's, yeah, it's great for the category and it's cool for me. I'm really excited for it. Uh, to drive a two door coupe Mustang is going to be pretty, pretty uh, cool and uh, something that I'll t- not take for granted. Championship leader and a clean sweep here, mate. Well done. Yeah, thank you, Tony. Cheers. Winner of both races down at Phillip Island, Scott McLaughlin from the uh, DJR Team Penske team uh, joining us there for a chat. Richard Crail now joins us for a chat as well. G'day, Crowley. Morning, Shabaks. How you going? Man, I'm fantastic. Uh, massive weekend for Scotty McLaughlin. He just did everything he had to do and did it right. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Uh, maybe it's a lightweight carbon panels they've got on the FGX, mate. Eh? <laughs> Oh, there were some interesting fun jibes about that over the weekend and whether uh, all the parody debate that happened after the opening two rounds of the championship was worth it or not. But then again, Scotty was in a class of one of the Fords on the weekend. And um, his qualifying lap on Sunday in particular was extraordinary. It was four-tenths of a second faster than anybody else on the grid and the next nine cars were covered by the same margin. So in a field of equals, he was slightly more equal than everybody else and blitzed them over one lap, as he's been prone to do. I think it was six straight poles for him at Phillip Island as well. Um, raced his way out in front on uh, the Sunday race, but the, the Saturday one for me was, was an epic where he and Jamie Winkup just traded blows lap after lap, and mm. he worked his way past down at the Sunlope. Brilliant bit of racing, um, and it shows that his race craft is every bit as good as his qualifying craft. So uh, a terrific weekend for Shell V Power Racing and a terrific weekend for the championship that's made things even more interesting, if that was even possible. Well, exactly right. And after Saturday's race, directly after Saturday's race, there was only one point in the championship between McLaughlin, who was leading, and Wincup, who had dropped to second. A uh, post-race penalty for Jamie Wincup uh, saw him drop to fourth and then on Sunday drop even further away. Dave Reynolds now second in the championship. I didn't have a terrific weekend. In fact, his Sunday drive, I think, best of the year so far. I, I realise they've already won races this season, but to keep that kind of concerted pressure on Scott throughout the race was really impressive from from Dave, and he's driving the best he's ever driven, but the way that Erebus team's functioning as well is super impressive, and I think we get to every round and go, 
see, these guys are actually serious, aren't they? They're, they're actually a competitive race team week in, week out, and they're beating some very, very serious organisations yeah. in the championship. And I, I really like the performance of Anton Di Pasquale on the weekend. I know it's already been written and talked about post-weekend, and uh, Dave admitted after his race that, that his performance on Sunday was down to the Di Pasquale side of the equation, getting things right, yeah. getting that car working well so they could tune up car number nine so Dave could be right at the front of the field. So that's, that's impressive stuff from Erebus Motorsport. There were some funny moments in both press conferences on Saturday and Sunday. And I did like Dave Reynolds' comment yesterday where the, the parody debate came up again. And yeah. Dave Reynolds said, well, anyone in front of me is cheating and anyone behind me can't drive. And yeah. Scott looks to him and he said, so what, I'm cheating? And then Rick Cully said, I can't what, so I can't drive. <laughs> it was, there was some good humour and some good mood through both press conferences. It was nice. Yeah, it wasn't Rick Kelly in great form he on was. Saturday as well, that, that long overdue podium, and we can talk about that, but the, the performance from Nissan was outstanding. Um, but Rick Kelly sort of just threw one out there going, oh, that up until Friday night, we thought the highlight was going to be Nissan all night in team catering. <laughs> so uh, he, he turned it around pretty quickly, and he made a quip about how they usually overtune their cars overnight and go backwards on the Sunday. Uh, which clearly they didn't do because they improved on Sunday and had a crack at winning the thing. So um, that was another great result. Yeah, it's good to see the banter, isn't it? A couple of different faces up on the, the press conference was, uh, was good to see. Well, they improved that car so much that uh, Michael Caruso's car obviously got a, 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 a kickback from it as well as Dave Reynolds may have on the Sunday. Caruso was quite uh, strong on Sunday as well with the Nissan. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it's about time, isn't it? They, they would desperate for a good weekend. Um, they need to do more than what they did at Phillip Island. They need to back that up now at Barbagello, where they've traditionally been reasonably good. Then they need to be back that up again at Winston, where they've traditionally been very good. It's probably their best racetrack, of course, the scene of a win a couple of years ago. Um, so one weekend doesn't a, a championship make, nor does it a recovery make for that team, because they desperately need results. But it was impressive. And had they not run Rick a little bit too long in that race on Sunday and he, he lost track position because of the tyre deck, um, so when the undercut happened and he pitted a couple of laps later than the other guys that came out behind them, um, he may have been in contention to win it, but I think they probably played the conservative game a little bit because they're not used to running at the front like everyone else, especially the Fords and the Red Bull Holdens. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting performance, but it was just great to see him on the podium twice. I think it's something like, a thousand days since his last back-to-back wow. podium weekend or something like that. It's a ridiculous stat. No, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but for a very, very long time since Rick got two trophies in a weekend, and it just reminds everybody of how capable a driver he really is. Yeah, no, good on him. Well done, and uh, great work by all on the grid. Uh, ones that didn't finish on the grid, were there any disappointing drives for you? Well, I mean, what went on with the Rebel Holden Racing Team? They were pretty ordinary, weren't they? And, and they don't seem to have a middle ground this year, Crowley. They either get it right or they get it severely wrong. Yeah, and I wonder if that's endemic of the new car and, and how that that process that that team's been involved so heavily in designing it and engineering it. Now they're trying to develop it as a race car. They had the splitter issues earlier in the season, which continue to manifest in other cars. Um, I wonder if that's just part of this inconsistency that we're seeing from that team, that the likes of which we haven't seen before from AAA, um, it, it's strange, really strange. The Shane Van Gisbergen's problems on Saturday were, were battling yeah. with the, the really heavy weighted steering that he had, and, and he's certainly got a, week, a workout, and he won't need to go to the gym for a while. 
Uh, and then Jamie was fast on uh, Saturday and, and contended for the win and led the race for a long time. Of course, the penalty came and that was a mistake for him. Now, you can argue until the skies get black that does the punishment fit the crime for speeding in pit lane? The answer probably that was a bit excessive. Probably could have been 10 seconds and might have been more realistic. Having said that, you can't speed in pit lane. You can't turn the pit limiter off early. That's the way it rolls. So definitely broke the rules and, and got penalised for it. So that's a strange error from Jamie. And then uh, they just engineered that car backwards on Sunday and they had no real pace to contend for a win. So, yeah, strange weekend from them and um, look forward to seeing them bounce back. A quick mention for Brad Jones Racing. Marquee weekend for them, 250th round in supercars and they had an absolute shocker. Um, so that team will be very much looking forward to getting to Winton, their home track, in a couple of weeks and try and bounce back where they've traditionally been very strong. Uh, a couple of other milestones on the weekend, and I found this amazing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Rick Kelly's 500th start? Yeah, on Saturday. And Jamie and uh, Mark Winterbottom's 200th start? Uh, 200 is round start. Round start, start. okay. I, I, God. Was, yeah, I didn't think there was uh, much of that much of a difference between the two of them. Yeah, and Rick Kelly's 500th race. Yeah, okay. Still a yep. pretty big milestone. But bear in mind, Rick was about four years old when he got into it. So um, he's been going <laughs> a long time. He, he's not an old man at the moment. Um, and Frosty wasn't exactly in uh, in old age when he started either. So they were both young, both started early. Yeah, good milestones. They're terrific for Rick. I've said it before, but um, a reminder of how capable a racing car driver he is. And as a former champion of the sport, you know, he's sort of that level of guys that have been in it for 10 or 15 years now and we need them to be competitive because they're still the big names while the, the young guys come up through the ranks and really good to see him good and Winterbottom's just been a victim of Tickford Racing's massive inconsistency and they continue to be very, very frustrating as a race team to watch because, and I imagine to be part of and, and from everyone involved, that one weekend they're good and Chas Mostert's winning races and the next weekend they can't even get into the top 10 down in Tasmania, so... Strange performance, but yeah, good to see Frosty celebrate now. Uh, speaking of great racing, Porsche Wilson Security Carrera oh. Cup, round three. How good was this? All over the, the track from from everyone, but up the front, an amazing race on Saturday, 25 laps. Dylan O'Keefe and Dale Wood just belting it out, and Alex Davison behind them, just passing cars and finally getting past Dylan O'Keefe for second place. And then on the Sunday, mm. Alex Davison, one of the best Porsche 911 drivers around and has been for a long, long time. Dale Wood into the category for the first time this year. Uh, that was just enthralling stuff. Yeah, you get people on social media waffling on about, oh, career Cup's rubbish because you can't overtake. I'm going to show them that Saturday race, I think, and the moves that Alex Davison made, every single one of them at MG, the braking zone there at Turn 10, surgical precision, just diving down the inside, pass after pass, passed his way from sixth to second, um, on the last lap of that race. And then the, the Saturday race was a different style of, of motor race. And Dale Wood and uh, Alex Davis had both driving their cars 11-10. They, they were all a bit conservative early in the Saturday race because no one knew what tyre wear would be like. But they got halfway through the race and went, oh, hang on, these Michelins aren't degrading almost at all, so we can have a proper crack. And that's when Alex started going bang, bang and passing cars. But what it meant was on Sunday that everyone was at, on the absolute ragged edge from mm. lap one, and that's what delivered that brilliant battle between um, Dale Wood and, and Alex, as you mentioned, and a brilliant defensive drive from Dale Wood. I don't know how he held on to the lead, because Alex threw everything he had there, but Dale said after the race it's one of his most enjoyable races yeah. in his entire career, 
um, which sums up how good it was. It was it was thrilling to watch. It's a great championship in Quebec. It's it's better than it's ever been. Um, I think it's after supercars the most competitive category in Australia at the moment. The racing is very very high quality. You know when you pass a car in that category that you've answered, you work for it, and it's something significant. So. Um, they've got eight weeks off before Darwin. Um, that round's going to be very, very competitive again, and um, we get to the halfway point of the championship up there. So lots to look forward to in the Carrera Cup. Let's have a quick listen to Dale Wood caught up with him after the race, and also Tag Heuer Pro-Am winner Stephen Grove. 2018 Porsche and Wilson Security Carrera Cup Australia Round 3 at Phillip Island. Dale Wood, what a fantastic win, mate. Yeah, that was a, uh, that was a seriously good race. It was um, Pressure was on, I thought. I worried we sort of gapped in the first couple of laps and I wondered, oh, maybe maybe we've got our car turning on a bit soon here. And I think maybe that was the case a little. Safety cars probably helped because I think it brought everyone's temperatures back down and mine, you know, mine down as well. So, um, no, that was a really rewarding race though, just high pressure and, uh, and a really good battle. Had um, Alex all over the back of me for most of the time and sweat running off the brow, but it was, uh, you know, a good fun battle. There was really only three paces he was probably going to overtake you, turn one, turn four and, of course, turn ten. Does that give you a little bit of an opportunity to sort of relax in between those turns, or is it just nah, full I mean, on for really, 25? It means you've got to get the corners. You know, I really had to get turn two right, because I had to get that right every time. If I didn't, I knew he'd probably have a red-hot go into Honda. Um, and I really had to get over Lukey Heights, you know, right as well, because if I didn't, again, he'd have a big go into MG. So it was like a game of chess. I, I knew where I was strong, he knew where he was strong, and the whole time it was each, you know, both of us trying to outsmart each other and be strong in the areas that we needed to be strong in, but it was um, no, yeah, just a really good battle. What's more satisfying, winning by 10 seconds or winning like a that? A win like that, 100%. Yeah. A win like that. That's what you want. You've earned it, haven't you? That was good. Well, yeah. I might go and enjoy it. Thank you very much. Where are the Tag Heuer Pro-Am category? Stephen Grove, nice to see you back on the top step, mate. Yeah, listen, it was a pretty tough weekend. I, quality I wasn't quite happy with. Uh, it was a solid third yesterday, and that's all it was, was solid, because we just ran out of grip towards the end. So we, you know, the boys did a good job and they tuned it up for today and had good grip all the way through the last, you know, five laps is pretty tough because it's a long race, but it was just about being consistency and, and you know, uh, winning the rounds good for the points. Middle of the pack for most of it, you saw that ninth through to 13th, you saw a lot of blokes spearing off the track at different spots. Yeah, that was the thing. Early on, I knew I just needed to stay with the first two because there was so much action and they really were mixing it with the back of the pros and we, I just knew there'd be a bit of carnage, so I just tried to make sure I stayed out, out of the trouble. And then obviously you can then, then you can move forward, mate. It's been a, a solid year from everyone in the Tag Heuer Pro Am category, which I suppose makes victories like this even more satisfying, doesn't it? Knowing that you're coming up against some really good solid drivers. Oh yeah, listen, I've been doing this since 2013, and this is the best bunch of bikes in Tag Heuer I've, I've, I've raced against. No question about it. Anyone can win on the day, and to win a round is really special because they're going to be few and far between because that's the level of the guys that are racing in this category now. Congratulations, mate. Well done. Appreciate it. And just quickly off the back of that, Crowley, uh, Stephen Grove, also great to see him back on the uh, top step of the, the podium. Yeah, and the Prime, plus uh, he's just as competitive as the outright one, if not more, so they've had three different winners from three rounds so far this year, and four different drivers have won races, seven have been on the podium in that class, so wildly competitive there and that race within a race in Carrera Cup is always very entertaining to watch. 30 seconds to tell me about the young guns in the uh, Kumo Touring Cars. Yeah, Tyler Everingham and Zach Best, superstar impressive debut performances for them in Matt White Racing's Falcons in that series um, Zach Best in particular worked his way through the field in race 2 uh, led race 3 in front of the defending champ Jack Smith and his Brad Jones Commodore, uh, ultimately Smith's experience and speed got through but terrific stuff and 
bodes well for the unofficial third tier of supercar racing, and I think we'll those, see those kids progressing up the ranks in the near future. Uh, you could have a weekend off if you like. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Nice of you. First one in a few. Yeah, I know. I will. I <laughs> Enjoy like. it. Yeah, cheers. All right, mate. Talk soon. See ya. Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid. Time to catch up with our mate Braxy to talk everything two wheels. Good day, Braxy. Good day, Shabex. How are you? I'm a fine Monday morning. Mate, fantastic. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, how was your weekend? First of all, you uh, did what I did last weekend and spent it down at Tail and Bend. Of course, you were there for the Australian Superbike Championship and uh, also the Asian road races as well. Uh, what did you think of it? Uh, unbelievable. What a facility. Uh, as you agree with me, made it to work in progress. There's still a lot to do, but... Uh, the foundation they've got there, uh, the Peregrine Group, what they've uh, the effort they've put into it with the hotel, the whole complex. It's finally we've got a, a world class standard PP track. I mean, I've been to, have been uh, been lucky enough to be to a few over the years, and uh, the facility there is right up there. The pit complex and the track itself, uh, undulation, there's a bit of everything there for riders. Uh, you don't get a rest on a motorbike, that's for sure. Only on that straight, and that goes past pretty quick. But uh, they should be very proud of what they've done. And, uh, but, you know, with the go-kart track they're building and putting in the motocross track, the, the drag strip, it's just it's kind of endless in the industrial area. Uh, awesome. And the people that are running it, the passion that they're showing and the dedication, it's excellent. Uh, uh, it's, uh, I'll probably be one of the focuses of racing in um, you know, Australia from now on, I think. Uh, no doubt about that, Braxy. You uh, hit it pretty much right on the head. And uh, what happened over there in the uh, Australian Superbikes this weekend? Well, Troy Herfoss uh, extended his lead in the championship. He went in there with a 10-point lead on the Penrod Honda over Josh Waters, who was the defending champion, 10 points behind. And uh, Wayne Maxwell was a further eight points behind him. Um, and it was three races over the weekend. Wayne Maxwell got on pole and he was uh, looking pretty dominant. Uh, got into the 152s uh, for qualifying. Um, and uh, Herfoss was second and Troy Bayless always up there for the entire test in the three days of practice qualifying and racing uh, pole, uh, third position on pole on front of the grid. And uh, Maxwell won the first race after Bayless left for a while. He ended up uh, second, getting on the podium again. And uh, Troy Herfoss uh, blew the start completely on that um, Launch control didn't work, so he was off on about 20th position, but fought his way through the third position. Mm. From then on, I said in the commentary, I'd say he's going to win the next two races, which he did. Uh, he got the luck to start in the second one yesterday morning, but managed to get through. Uh, Bayless was again in, there, in the mix. Wayne actually in there as well, but uh, and then in the third one, it got short due to a crash of the old voice, um, Troy Bayless, with a big high side going through. Uh, Turn 10 while I was calling a space shuttle corner because there was a lot of high sides coming out of that corner and I think you'll agree to change the direction. Uh, caught a few of them out, but Charlie Herpos now has a 23-point lead in the championship. He leads from uh, Josh Waters, who had a shock of the weekend. Uh, a DNF in uh, the second race yesterday. And then on the third race, I think he finished about eight, so he's dropped right down to uh, sixth position at the moment. Daniel Falzon's gone up to third position in front of his home crowd. Bayless is in uh, fourth position, I think. Wayne Maxwell there, so it's uh, tightened up at the from second onwards. But uh, could be a defining moment in the championship with Troy Herfoss, two wins in the third, and uh, it's not, as I said, extending his lead to 23 points. You also had... Uh, we had super, 
Sorry, mate. I was going to say, sorry, you also had the Asian road bikes there, Braxy? Yeah, mate, three classes of the Asian road race. The Underbone 150s for highly modified little things that come out of the shop with 11 horsepower. And by the time they get on the track, they've got about 28 horsepower. Mobile hand grenades and uh, tuned to a standstill, as we showed with a few of them. Uh, we had a 250cc production, which is a uh, anomaly because they've bombed over um, Max as well. And a 600cc Super Sport, which uh, they didn't even get the first race done on uh, Saturday afternoon. They stopped it after three attempts to run it uh, with the carnies that were there. Those boys certainly haven't lost the uh, art of passion, that's for sure. <laughs> but it was a great combination, and uh, that's been signed into the next three years. The Asian Road Racing Championships that come down here. So there's a very nice synergy developing there as well. And uh, it's going to be, a, um, well, for the future, and we'll be going over there sometime, and the riders will be swapping, going over and competing in different camps. So it's uh, looking good. And that's off that everybody involved in partnership between their two wheels, the promoters of uh, the Asian Road Nation Championship, promoters of in Australia and the Peregrine Group, the three-way on sport they had for that weekend. So uh, looking forward to going back. I was going to say, Braxy, uh, we were talking about it on the weekend at Phillip Island at the uh, supercar event, about uh, major events that will probably get to tail and bend over time. And I believe MotoGP's got a fairly secure contract to Phillip Island, but World Superbikes probably hasn't. Could that... Make a move to no, Taylor Benson. Uh, they were locked in for at least a decade, mate. I know a few years ago they signed on till 2026, both the Superbikes and the Moto GP, and that was extended to 2028 at the recent World Superbike event at Phillip Island in February. But that's not to say that uh, we could have two rounds down here. Um, people might be arguing, oh, you know, they won't get the crowds there, but it's not so much the crowds these days. As you know, it's all on the pulling power of the television. Yeah, and um, they got two back to backs, and it's a very picturesque uh, track. And by the time they get all the landscaping and all that infrastructure done, it'll be a beautiful track, you know. It's, uh, especially when it's not a cloud in the sky, and, uh, and great camera work. And I think uh, with everything there, the facilities, there'd be a good possibility that we could have two events in the um, the future time. There's no reason to stop it two weeks apart and a bit of a time and if they work together they could involve the Formula 1 between it all you know it's, um, there's something there that can be worked on so I wouldn't uh, discount the fact that because Phillip Island got the track to host HMT and you know, around of the World Superbikes so we could double up like Spain does a lot of times with their championship. Alright running out of time Braxy so let's go through a couple of other results uh, World Superbikes as we were just talking about Tom Sykes taking the second race win uh, and Jonathan yeah. Ray taking the first one. Johnny Ray so the split the yeah, the Kawasaki's won um, both races. First race, Johnny Ray from uh, Michael Vandermark and Chaz Davies. And then uh, on the third, the second one, it was um, Ray um, second as well with Vandermark. I think he was third as well. So a uh, good result for the Kawasaki's. No matter what they try and do on Noblem, the team always rises to the top. Uh, Anthony West broke his wrist in practice in a horrific accident uh, where he was lucky, very, very lucky, just to get a couple of knocks and bruises. Uh, when he's uh, the throttle of his uh, machine stuck in and took him off the track of the final chicane at about 160 kilometres an hour. And finally, Josh Hook, who won uh, the local lad from another car retired, doing like Troy Bayless, uh, um, won the uh, uh, Le Mans 24 hour race with his Honda uh, team as well. And uh, maybe to the purists, it wouldn't look good that he, uh, him and his team did a shoey on the podium. So uh, it's pretty, mate, but it's pretty. <laughs> very quickly, mate, as we uh, record this program, we. Uh, the MotoGP in Texas, oh, Austin, yeah. Texas, yeah. has just wrapped up. Uh, who won? How, how could I forget that? Mark Marquez, after being penalised uh, and put back to the fourth so after claiming pole position, 
uh, in an incident with uh, Maverick Vignali's, his fellow countryman, uh, where he walked him on a uh, Vignali's on a quick lap. Uh, he was pushed up at pole position, and every Zarco second, they all moved up. They won with Ianoni on there as well, but uh, Marquez won uh, pretty comfortably, um, three or four seconds from Maverick um, Vignali's, and uh, Andre Ianoni putting a Suzuki on the podium again after he defeated Argentina. And Valentino Rossi in fourth position. So it's, uh, and Cal Crutchlow said he should lead a finish at 13, so it was a shock for him. Jack Miller in eighth. And, um, yeah, that's about it. And we'll reconvene for the Komodo GP in Europe in a few weeks' time. Look forward to a Braxy talk to you there, mate. Thanks for your time. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. Look forward to it yourself. Mark Brax joining us here on the grid. Hope you enjoyed our second podcast of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to all our guests today. We look forward to bringing you another episode next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com.